Good evening to you. We will get started. Before we pray, let's have our Bibles open to Romans 10. Read a couple of verses from Romans 10 and then we'll have our prayer. <coughs> to begin with, let's read Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation come here brother so let's pray together Holy Father, for this good day and this good time together for Bible class, we're, we're so grateful for all the many blessings of life. Holy Father, how thankful we are. Lord, thank you for allowing us to approach your throne at this time and ask your blessing upon those that's been on our announcement list of late, that you would bless them and their families, help all those that have health uh, issues that they may they may be better we pray father that it would be with those who are hurting in any any way whatsoever we're thankful for our church family here and we pray father that as we are assembled tonight that we can learn that we can build one another up in the most holy faith speaking of faith lord we're so grateful for it all you've done through, for us through Jesus. Help our faith, Lord, to grow stronger hour by hour and day by day. We're thankful for the preservation of these holy scriptures. We're thankful, Father, for, for the good words. Lord, we're hopeful. Pray, Father, that you would fill our hearts with hope as we seek to do your will. And we long to be with you at your side in the heavenly kingdom. Look down upon us, Father, in your tender mercy. We ask you, Father, that as we stray from time to time, help us to repent, help us to get back on path. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be more like your son every day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. We'll be in Romans 10 this evening. Romans 10. Start with verses 9 and 10. Think about these verses. Again, the Apostle Paul writes to the brethren in Rome. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Every now and then, people will, will mock us, those of the faith, and say, you see here, there's not a drop of water in these verses. Here the Apostle Paul is discussing salvation. He mentions it two or three times. And yet you don't mention, he doesn't mention a drop of water here. Why do you folks mention water in connection with salvation? I've read places where other religious leaders will say these verses are as dry as the sand in the desert. Sort of mocking, making fun of our stance with Jesus and salvation. And so I want us to notice here in Romans 10 three or four principles that will help us as we study, help us as we seek to help other people uh, see the gospel of Jesus. And I invite you to, as usual, to make uh, your responses as well. Let me get started with a couple of principles and then we will we'll get into our discussion. Okay. <clears throat> I want us to understand first that the Bible is a the Bible is a self-interpreting book. The Bible is a self-interpreting book. A couple things goes along with that. We are to take the Bible as a whole. Not in part, but, in, but as a whole. In Psalm 119 and 160, the statement is made, The sum of thy word is truth. The sum of thy word is truth. And we remember the Apostle Paul saying along with that, way over in Acts 20, 26 and 27, that he was free from the blood of all men because he had declared the whole counsel of God unto them. The whole counsel. And so, when you think about the Bible being a self-interpreting book, one thing you think about is you take it as a whole. And then a second thing you think about is you remember that the Bible is in complete harmony. In complete harmony. It's harmonious. Why is the Bible full of harmony? Well, because God is. Okay. In 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and verse 33, a statement that you well remember We read that God is not the author of confusion. I believe that God is the author of the Bible. I believe that He is the source of these scriptures. And if He is, His nature is that He is in complete harmony uh, just in Himself. So if the Bible is from God, then the Bible is also a very harmonious book. Therefore, it's a self-interpreting book, you see. 
Therefore, when we study the Bible, we gather from different scriptures, we gather all the, all the information pertaining to a particular biblical theme. We gather that together. Okay. We use our common sense to see you know, how that should be organized, and then we take that as a whole. And then we allow these different passages to harmonize with each other. We allow these passages to elaborate on each other. Okay. We allow these passages to, to teach what they intend to teach. Okay. We allow these passages to expand on each other. What may be kind of obscure in one place, another passage will often illuminate that and vice versa. Okay. And so I think it's very important to understand how the Bible kind of explains itself. So you can't just allow one passage of Scripture to be set aside and ignore a complete teaching that many other passages may establish. We can't just pick and choose here and there a passage or two in order to establish a belief. But rather, because of God and because of the nature of God and the nature of the Bible, then we must take it as a whole. And this becomes a problem, but it's not really a problem. It's a problem in men's Beliefs, but it's not really a problem as you read the Bible. Okay, so taking this idea in mind, let's look at right here at Romans uh, 10, 9 and 10, where you see two conditions of salvation mentioned. Okay, what two conditions of salvation are mentioned in Romans 10, 9 and 10? What's that? Okay, confession and belief. Right, and both of these, of course, definitely are conditions of salvation. Uh, Jesus mentions in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, the necessity of confessing uh, our belief in Him before men. And um, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12 brings this out as well. Okay. But is this all that the book of Romans has to say about uh, salvation? What about repentance? Is repentance necessary for salvation. Look back in Romans 2 and verse 4. Romans 2 and verse 4. Somebody read that for us when you get over there. Romans 2 and verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Okay. So notice the emphasis on repentance there in Romans 2 and verse 4. Did Paul ever talk about repentance in another place? Well, you know that he did. Look in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In verse number 10. 2 Corinthians 7 in verse number 10. For godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly sorrow produces death. So notice how important repentance is there. 
Godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces something along the lines of death. We remember that Jesus emphasized repentance in Luke 13, 3 and 5. Except you repent, you shall all likewise what? Perish. Perish. We know that when on the day of Pentecost, when they asked Peter, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. So repentance is most definitely connected to Salvation. You see how that we're to take the whole of what God says and uh, make our interpretation. Okay. The Bible really just explains itself. Does the book of Romans at all mention water baptism? Okay. Romans 6 verse 3 and 4 mentions water baptism. Someone read that for us when you get there. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Then know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also so Sam, what do you, how do you interpret that phrase, newness of life? Salvation. Okay, salvation, forgiveness. What else could it be? So if belief and confession and repentance has something to do, that lead, if all of these three conditions lead to salvation, and then the same writer, the Apostle Paul, says that baptism leads to a newness of life or salvation. Then we, we take all this information together and we seek to just let it talk to us and bring us the whole picture of what God would have us to see. Are there any other passages in the New Testament that connects water salvation with sal water baptism with salvation? Can you think of any other passages that connects water baptism with salvation? Okay, so there is no other. Okay, First Peter three twenty one. Well, I figure we're well into even baptism does also now save us. Mark sixteen sixteen. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Okay, Acts. Acts 2.38. Okay. All right. Acts 22.16. Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Okay. So, you get the big picture here. You see that the Bible is a self-explanatory book. Because God wants us to see the whole counsel of God, take the sum of the word, which is truth. And so oftentimes what will happen when you're studying the Bible with someone, they will go away and they'll talk to a family member or talk to someone and they'll come back and, and say, well, what about Romans 10, 9, and 10? And so in just thinking about this, we can be ready to say, you know, the whole counsel of God 
is what really pleases uh, the Lord. Okay. Not understanding this principle is very devastating, very disastrous to uh, the religious world. It, it presents such a narrow view of uh, Scripture. Okay. And it's, it's very, very unfortunate. And it has caused a great dis lack of this principle, lack of understanding this principle we're talking about has caused a great deal of confusion, unnecessary confusion in the world. And it is our responsibility to try to help uh, with that. Okay. Now, what got me started on this once again, I know we've read these passages together again, but we've had a great emphasis here at the end of the year on the resurrection of Jesus. And you notice here in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that part of our faith is that we must believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. So very true. So very true. But then there's more conditions that God adds to that if we're going to be saved from our, our sins. Okay. This idea that the Bible is a self-interpreting book not only would help many who are outside of Christ, but it helps us as well as we think about learning and teaching, learning Scripture and teaching. Okay? There's more to learning and teaching than simply listening to a video. Okay? What God would have us to do is to take our Bibles and to, and to notice and to read these passages in context and then read another place where, where the same theme is being discussed and put these together here and there. It takes a little doing you know, 2 Timothy 2.15 says to, to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It does take a little doing. It takes a little, a little effort to, to put this forth. But uh, oh, what blessings um, it brings. Okay. Any thoughts about this first principle here about how the, the Bible really uh, explains itself. I think it's a. I think it's one, one of the biggest principles um, that we have to grasp. Uh, and this is just talking about basic uh, truth, but it's it, it's very important as we move along and grow in a Christian uh, faith. That's right. So important, Aaron is saying, to, to remember these, most of these uh, 
verses we read are part of a bigger context, oftentimes a letter, oftentimes um, um, history, like in the life of Jesus, history, like in the, the book of Acts, uh, recording history, but then these other places are letters, and, and um, maybe if we could keep that in mind, we wouldn't just try to isolate verses here and there. And um, Matt was saying that, um, that if we don't harmonize, we don't take it as a whole, then it, it puts the Bible in contradiction. And it's really, um, it's, it's unnecessary. And it's, un, it's, um, it's tragic to, to do that. Why do you think that, um, why do you think God just didn't put it, everything that we needed to, to do and to say, why didn't he just put it in one column and say, here it is? Why do you think he, he set it up the way that he did? Why do you think he did? To show the importance. Do, do what? To show the importance of it. To show the importance of it? Okay. If it's repeated, it means it's important. Okay, if it's repeated, it means it's important. And you were saying? Yeah. Yeah, we're supposed to seek after God. saying that every letter, going back to the letters, every, every congregation had a different set of circumstances and needs, and so the truth was presented in a little bit different way, and so but when you put all that together, you see the big picture. Brother Brent here was also knocking on the door something very important here, that God expects us to seek after Him. Seek after Him. And we need to stop and think about that for a second. God God has, has, a, has a history of testing people. Okay? He doesn't spoon feed us. Okay? He wants to know if we want to follow Him. And if we do the work and we do the searching, then He's sort of testing us to see and to show that we actually want to follow Him, to seek after Him. right. God knows what's best for us. He knows it's best for us to have to be diligent, to search, to think, to, to reason, to, to, um, to eliminate some things, to learn, and to put it all together. And He knows that's best for us. It's a lifestyle. I like the way you said that, Matt. It's not just a, a, a list and checking out the list. Go ahead. As a creator, he could have programmed it into us just like he did instantly with animals. Yeah. But he chose not to do that. 
Right. Yeah, Brent's saying it goes back to the way God created us. He didn't create us. He didn't just put instincts in us like he did animals, but rather in, we're made in his image. And he gave us the ability to search, to think, to choose, to learn from mistakes, and then to come out uh, with, the, with, with following him in the right way. Some Sure, yeah, Brother Roger's saying in some cases people already had a pretty firm belief in Christ and they just needed to know about repentance and uh, baptism. Others, like the jailer, you know, he had to start from scratch with the, with the Apostle Paul. And it's not a matter of, of working our way to God. It's a matter of our desire for Him. And He knows what's best for us. It's just simply the way He has set it up. All right, so this first principle I want us to think about was how that the Bible is, a, is really a self-explanatory book. And He expects us to use passages to expound on each passage, to expound on each other, so that we can arrive to the truth. And if we don't understand that, we're going to be very frustrated. Even as Christians, we're going to be frustrated um, because um, the lessons are not going to mean much to us. We're, going, we're, we're not going to expect, um, we're going to expect something much different. But really, uh, I think you can see that our approach here has always been to let the Bible speak. The Bible is very good at explaining itself. Okay. All right, second principle I wanted to uh, mention to you that will help here in Romans 10 is to remember that God, in His book, uses what I call inclusive words. Inclusive words. Okay. And what I mean by that is uh, words that include more than what they say. Words that include more than what they say. Look right here in Romans 10. In uh, verse 11, what does that say? Romans 10, 11. The scripture says, believe on him shall not be ashamed. Yeah, 
Whoever shall uh, believe on him shall not be put to shame. So, see, uh, the word belief there is an inclusive word. When you read that, that word, that, in, that includes uh, the idea of, of not only belief and faith, but also confession and, and baptism as well. We do this in our language all the time. We use inclusive words. Uh, Monday night, if you're a sports-minded person, if somebody came up to you this past Monday, Monday night and said, did you watch the game? See, that to us is just, the game is just, that's just an inclusive word. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to be, no, no, they don't have to explain to you which game. They don't have to tell you who's playing. They don't have to tell you where they were playing. They don't have to tell you the, 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 the uh, importance of, of that game. Okay, you just have to say, did you see the game? Okay. We often say, after church uh, tonight, we're going to have a fellowship. The word fellowship is an inclusive word. It means more than what it says. It means, it means oftentimes it means food. It means um, just a, a time uh, together. It means prayers. Okay. We might say, well, um, what did you use to catch that fish? And you, you might say, well, a jig, or you might say a worm. You might say a cricket. You use a lot more than that to catch the fish. Okay, you use a line, you use hook, line, and sinker, you use the pole, you use your own wisdom, your own luck, you know. Um, but we use inclusive words all the time, and the Bible uses common language uh, like that as well. Okay. Look right here to um, Romans 10 uh, once again, and notice uh, verse um, 12 and 13. He says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, the same Lord is Lord of all, uh, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord um, will be saved. The idea of calling on the Lord there, that's an inclusive phrase. Okay. How do I know that? How do you know that calling on the name of the Lord includes other principles other conditions of obedience as well. How do you know that? Acts 22.16. Okay, what does Acts 22.16 say? It's the one where he tells Paul to rise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what he says, calling on the name of the Lord. Okay. Ananias, Acts 22.16, said to Paul, Now why do you tarry? Paul had been praying. Okay. He'd been in full regret mode for three days. No food, been praying. He said, Why do you tarry? Arise. Get yourself baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Evidently, arising and being baptized is um, the process of calling on the name of the Lord. And this is confirmed also in Acts 2, 21, when Peter quotes from Joel chapter 2 and says, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay. But we would say, if you keep reading Peter, Peter continues to, to discuss the idea of salvation. When Peter is asked, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. So receiving remission of sins is the same thing as salvation. So therefore, calling on the name of the Lord would be inclusive of repentance and baptism. I don't think that's too difficult to see. 
especially, especially when you put all three together. You put Romans 10 together, Acts 22, 16 together, Acts 2, 21 together with Acts 2, 38. Go ahead. Good verse to add there also, uh, according to Aaron, Matthew 7, 21 is a good one. Jesus said, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. To call on the name of the Lord then, putting all this together, means to obey him. And part of the obedience is repentance and baptism. Okay. So we can see here how some words are just inclusive of other words and other ideals and, and conditions. Okay. We have an example of this in Acts 20 and verse 7 when Paul and his companions were in Troas and it says they came together upon the first day of the week to do what? To break bread. To break bread. I would say because of what other verses say that that breaking bread there is inclusive of both not only breaking the bread, but also drinking of the fruit of the vine. Breaking bread would be a word that stands for the entire process of partaking uh, the Lord's Supper. Okay. And so these two principles are very important, that the Bible explains itself when we allow verses to, to expand on each other. And secondly, the Bible often uses inclusive uh, words, words like believe or words like breaking bread, words like calling on the name of uh, the Lord. Okay. It's interesting that we've made reference to 1 Peter 3, 21, about baptism does also now save us. But before that, verse 20, Peter had made reference to Noah's day. And how many souls were saved? How many, how many were saved on the boat? Eight. It says there eight souls were saved. Okay. But we know that, that eight people were saved. Man is made up of more than just a soul. He's not talking about eight people without bodies were saved on that boat. He's talking about how that eight people were saved. We as humans have both a body and soul. But soul is just representative of the whole human person uh, there. Okay. So we know that. Now, <clears throat> I want us to see a third principle here in Romans uh, 10. <clears throat> Let's notice that the gospel not only uses inclusive words, but also notice that it, it presents to us a process. A process. And I'm trying to make sure uh, we can get this in with the time here. Um, but just study this further for yourself. In, in Romans 10, 5 through uh, 7, Paul is really making the point that when we are saved, it's not based on our own righteousness, but on the righteousness of Christ. Okay. He makes a reference here to Leviticus 18, verse 
uh, 5 in verse 5 here, uh, just simply saying, making the point that uh, keeping, keeping the old law or keeping any law uh, for man, uh, none of us can do it perfectly. Nobody can keep, whether you're talking about the old law of Moses or whether you're talking about the new law of Christ or really any law, there's no man that can keep it perfectly. Okay. There's only been one man who's ever lived to keep God's commandments perfectly. And our, our salvation is based on his righteousness, what he did. And you'll read there in verses 5, 6, and 7 that Jesus descended from heaven and came to earth and he was raised from the dead. He died and he was raised from the dead. Based on that is what our salvation is grounded in. Our, our, our salvation is grounded in that, what Jesus did, not on, based on what we do. Okay. All right. Well, let's read together here uh, Romans 10 to see this process. Let's start in verse 12 again and read down through about verse uh, 15. Romans 10, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, uh, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him whom they have not uh, believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, teaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news of the gospel. So we see the process here. After we understand, after we understand that our salvation is going to be based on what Jesus has done for us. And then secondly, that salvation is found in the gospel. Then the process goes like this. The word has to be sent out some way or another has to be taught has to be has to be expounded has to be sent out and then one has to hear that word and then one after hearing it has to believe uh, in that word and then after believing you call on the name of the lord which includes obeying the lord which includes repentance and baptism okay so that's kind of the process that paul is discussing here in in romans uh, 10. Now, one big thing here is verse uh, 12 that says he made a distinction between the Jew and, and the Greek, Jew and Gentiles. Okay? The, so the gospel is for all. The same process that saved the Jews would save the Jews in the first under the New Testament system is the same process that would save the Gentiles. There's, God makes no distinction in how he saves different individuals. Not under the New Testament law, especially. Okay. So, those on Pentecost were saved through the same process as the jailer in Acts 16. Okay. Lydia and her household were saved through the same process as the eunuch of Acts chapter 8. The Samaritans of Acts chapter 8 were saved through the same process as those on the day of Pentecost in Acts uh, chapter 2. It says in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7 that a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Even those who were, who were priests under the old law were saved under the same process as Cornelius was in Acts chapter 10. And no distinction made. The gospel is for all. So we see these four principles that will help us here. Okay, first, 
the Bible explains itself. Okay. Second, the Bible often uses inclusive words. Okay. Third, the Bible presents a process that leads to salvation. It begins with the death of Jesus' resurrection. It's all based on that, and then we must hear, believe, and then call on uh, his name. And then we remember here that the gospel is for all. The same process that saves one is to save anybody. How do we apply that to today? Well, the same process that would save a rich person is the same thing that would save a common person. The same process that would, that would save a common person, like someone living in Trinity or Moulton, is the same process that's going to save someone who lives in Washington, D.C. or New York City. Okay. The same process that would save me and you is the same process that if, if any of the politicians are ever going to be saved from their sins, then this is the process. There's no other process. If any of the elite athletes that we watch on TV, if they're ever going to go to heaven, they will have to follow the book of Acts to go to heaven. There's no special plan designed for special people. God makes no distinction between Jew or Greek or between any other uh, classes of people. In fact, Paul, didn't, didn't Paul say so many of us, us? As many of us as were baptized into Christ. Right. Okay. And when Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10, he said God saved us. So the same process that saved Timothy, same process that saved Paul. Okay. Same process that saved Paul, who was very much immersed in Old Testament Knowledge is the same process that saved the Philippian jailer who didn't know hardly anything about the true God of the universe. Okay. So God makes no uh, distinction. Okay. The other big uh, principle here from Romans 10 is that the gospel can be rejected. And that's, how, that's Paul's whole point here, really underlying point from Romans 10 verses 1, through 2, and 3. Okay. You see there, he says, I bear them witness, talking about his Jewish uh, friends. I bear them witness. They, they have a zeal for God, but not what? Not, a, not according to knowledge. Okay. What did they do in their uh, practices? They tried to establish their own what? Righteousness. And they have not subjected themselves unto the righteousness of God. And Paul goes through here in, in Romans 10, you get down to verse um, 16. He says, They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what, uh, what he has heard uh, from us? Okay. And notice um, the last um, couple of verses there in verses 20 and 21. Even as Isaiah uh, has to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me, talking about the Gentiles. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me, talking about the Gentiles. But then verse 21, but of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. 
That was true in Isaiah's day, and Paul's saying it's true today as well. In my day, Paul is saying, you're not obeying the gospel. The word right here, verse 8, is very close to you. You have the word you need to have a relationship with God, to be forgiven of your sins, and yet, like your forefathers, you're not coming to me. God's holding out his arms to you, and you're, you're rejecting his ways. Okay. And so... My purpose tonight was to look at Romans 10, 9 and 10 and notice several principles that can help us not only as we, as we study Romans 10, but as we study the Bible as a whole. And we will discuss a little bit more about this as we extend the Lord's invitation. Thank you so much for being in class. Thank you for the excellent comments been made as well.